And so now I want to share with you a little bit of what I learned about the black Trojans, because I wrote, you know, a 500-page dissertation <laughs> on them, okay? What I want to start with is a woman named Hannah Butler. Hannah was interviewed in 1883 by the Troy Times. And at that point, she was almost 80 years old. And she was being interviewed by the paper because they were celebrating the, um, <clears throat> the Emancipation Proclamation and also, which is not exactly a year or a hundred years earlier, but she, they were celebrating that and they were celebrating the founding of the city of Troy, so the centennial of the city. And they wanted to know a black perspective on what life was like in Troy over those years. And so Hannah took out what she called her most prized possession, which was her family Bible. And it had her family tree in it, which is pretty extraordinary for a woman who was born enslaved in Stillwater, New York. So she has this Bible. It has her name in it, and it has her husband's name in it. And her husband's name was Robert T. Butler. He was born in 1781. He relocated to Troy from New Hope, Connecticut, and he sold apples at the old post office. He would later, later serve as a lay preacher in the Methodist Church. Before he met Hannah, and he had come to Troy, he had made a name for himself. And that name was of a community-minded black minister. And I thought that was really profound, because as that little girl, where are all the black people and what are they doing? Here's a guy, right? Here's one when I discovered him. And then, of course, Hannah comes to Troy, but Hannah says she remembers being sold for $100. Mm. And this happened before the state prohibited or abolished slavery in 1827. So the child, which shaped her memory, was the exchange of $100 for her to be moved from her family to a different white family. She had a sister who she stayed connected with and who later moved to Troy after slavery was abolished. And she had two brothers. One of them, Thomas, worked at the Troy house. And then he became a sailor. Hannah never knew where her brothers went after that. Now, the other thing that Hannah says in this interview was that she was waiting and she was praying for someone to come talk to her so she could tell her story. So that people who knew her earlier in life, her people could find her again. And I realize that as much as that is emotionally moving, those are the feelings that I try to write about and the stories I try to convey out of Troy. Because people like Hannah ended up becoming the black leadership in this city before slavery was abolished. Hannah's husband, like I said, was a lay minister in the Methodist Church. When the two of them first arrived in Troy, there was about 200 enslaved people. It quickly rose to almost 600 enslaved people. Troy and Rensselaer County was one of the slowest counties in New York State 
to emancipate black people. Okay. It's a long legacy there. After emancipation by the state legislation happened in 1827, really within a year, African Americans in Troy began to build the foundation of the community by claiming, naming, showing that they could control black spaces. And I say that in a way where I wanted to see black space in ink, uh, right, on paper in ink, in my books when I grew up. And to know that in the 1830s, there were people here doing that made me proud. So going back to the theme today, empower me. That empowered me to know that when I walked down those streets, there were people who had walked them before me, who had done extraordinary things, who looked like me, against bigger odds that I was facing in my life. These first black Trojans will establish churches. One of the first was the AME church. I know many of us think the Liberty Street Presbyterian Church, right? But that came almost a decade later, the AME first, right? After the AME church, the next thing that black children's established was a schoolhouse. And so I bring this up now in this order of the most vital core traditions of the black community. Church, education, right from the start, right? And so, they have a Methodist church, an AME church, then they establish the schoolhouse. And the men in charge of the schoolhouse are a man named William Rich, and some of you know this other man too, Alexander Thuey. Alexander Thuey and his brother had come from Nassau, Bahamas, to Troy in the 1820s. They were free black men, and they chose Troy as their home. Alexander Thuey became a carpenter and he fell in love with a free black woman who was living here before emancipation happened and her name was B.B. Van Rensselaer. Yeah, okay. Phoebe was brilliant and charismatic and Phoebe was one of the first women and also black people to begin banking at Troy Savings Bank. Phoebe then uses this financial savvy to guide other African-American women and men and to help them prepare their financial independence with their organizations that they were going to create. And she did this by using the interests percentages over different time periods so that they were doubling their money or increasing their sense, right? This is powerful to think of a free black woman before slavery even was abolished, going to the bank, using the bank, and then teaching the rest of the black community and guiding the organizations and how to be financially independent and economically mobile. So Phoebe will ultimately marry Alexander. Right? Alexander and William Rich will be in charge of the Negro schoolhouse, so they will be the caretakers of it. The Negro Schoolhouse will ultimately become Liberty Street Presbyterian Church. And the men and women here in Troy, like Phoebe and Alexander and William Rich and another man named Samuel Baltimore, who will be Peter Baltimore's father, 
Garnett Douglas Baltimore's grandfather. We'll begin to use the schoolhouse as the Presbyterian Church, and they will request a bright young scholar to come to Troy, and his name is Henry Highland Garnett. So there were black people here before Garnett. He didn't bring them all. <laughs> right? Didn't bring them all. During the 1830s, black Trojans were really active. They created three women's organizations. They were through the churches, Liberty Street Presbyterian Church and the AME Church. They also created a youth organization called the Yates Juvenile Anti-Slavery Society that was named in honor of a man named Daniel Yates who prepared the legal treatise for black male equal suffrage. This is so important because we think even today about voting and the challenges people of color have voting in the city of Troy that in 1836, black men met with William Yates and they laid out their arguments for birthright citizenship and equal voting rights. That became the backbone of the black male suffrage movement before the 15th Amendment was ratified in the Constitution. That happened here in Troy, right? That's powerful. And it was powerful to me to know that some of the first minds to discuss birthright citizenship and equal voting were here. They were here. Mm -hmm. 